We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey everybody, Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, check out our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency hosting bi-weekly educational webinars. You can check out more at keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. In addition, if you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn yet, I highly recommend it. I'm sharing tons of valuable information related to marketing, business best practices, and of course, every single guest on this show is highlighted on LinkedIn. Today's guest is Tobin Slavin. When experts are ready to create more conversations with perfect prospects, they call Tobin at bookofexperts.com. He's been called an introverted savant with a superpower for helping you find your tribe and sparking conversations out of thin air. This new book is called Experts Never Chase because deep down, we all know that chasing undermines the hard-won trust and authority of subject matter experts. So he helps entrepreneurs find the easy path to dialogue that drives sales. Tobin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Lori. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I have to say, I love the name of your podcast. I think social <laughs> currency is what it's about these days uh-huh. that, you know, obviously we're all in business and we have to make business happen, but the the ability to create value, to create that currency with other people is so much more valuable than one transaction. So I think you nailed it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, it took, I put a lot of thought into what to name the show um, many years ago. And, and it's all about relationships and networking. And at the end of the day, it's social, um, but we're, we're trying to make uh, money, make ends meet. So it's it's relationships is really the kind of cornerstone that, that how that happens. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. People don't refund relationships. Oh, is it that the truth? <laughs> I never heard that before, but I love that. Um, so let's talk about this book. Why did you write the book? Experts never chase. What's, what's the big idea behind it? Yeah. So our book just came out last month. Um, and we, since that time we launched on May the 4th, which was Star Wars Day. We thought that would be kind of fun. Uh, Since we launched, we've had a successful Kickstarter, uh, which was uh, kind of a unique experience to launch the book with that. Um, And we also, I think we're on four or five bestseller lists now. So that's been kind of, that's a new experience for me. I've never done the book thing. My co-author on the book, Kat Stancic, has published once before. So she had a little bit more experience and we've been getting some great help from, from friends and experts in that space of what it looks like to, to launch and market your book and sort of get it out there in front of folks. And the, the funny thing, Lori, we, when we did the Kickstarter, um, we used the exact same process that's outlined in the book. And, and so I think that that was re- a really fun way to validate that and show people what we're doing at the same time of why they might be interested in the book. The book's not for everyone, but it's really written for expert-based entrepreneurs. So coaches, consultants, people who talk about clients instead of customers, Mm -hmm. and particularly folks that are feeling like it's harder than it should be. Like it's really hard to get that next couple of clients. And if I had just a couple more clients coming into the mix, uh, this would really change my business, my life, my life, work-life balance. Um, So the book is 
how to, how to make that happen without feeling like you have to chase those clients, those prospective clients around. Because when you do that, it really undoes a lot of, a lot of the good work that we seek to make in the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I think that's a great topic and uh, totally makes sense because in our expertise will be valued by those that really want it. I think subconsciously we all get that, right? If, if Mm -hmm. we, when someone is chasing us, we're kind of thinking in the back of our head, if you're so great, if you're such an expert in your space, why are you working so hard to get me as a client? So, and at the same time, you and I both and everyone out there recognize you have bills to pay. I have bills to pay. Like we have to make business happen. So how do you sort of balance the creative tension of those two, two ends? And there really is a way to go out and meet folks, build a real relationship with them. I know this is your sweet spot, which is having a robust network and real connections with the people, not just numbers, but really know the people in your network. There's a way to do that, to meet strangers and not send them running and screaming away in the other direction. And the phrase that that we use in the book is um, particularly LinkedIn has become the space of leg humpers, right? There's just (laughs) a lot of folks that are, they show up in your inbox, like, hey, nice to connect with you. And immediately you get that long message. It's all about them why they're so great. And at the bottom, there's a link to schedule time. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, why, like, why would I do that? I don't know you. I don't know why I would even take the time to do that. It's that can't be working well for folks. So I know that there are people out there looking to do something a little bit different. Well, I am questioning how are this, is this even working for anybody? <laughs> Cause I purposely ignore those direct sales messages in LinkedIn. So, so here's the interesting thing is that everyone that I talk to, and I talk to a lot of experts uh, on a day-to-day basis, expert-based entrepreneurs, everyone says that same thing. Like I get those messages and I ignore them. Like not only do I not do business with those people, they've probably ruined their reputation with me because of that first impression. Yep. And yet there are still hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that are out there doing that. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, why would someone do that? And that is uh, in the marketing space quite often. I mean, this was always true, even with the people who put advertising in our mailboxes and stuff, that, that the same direct mail marketers would stand over the garbage can sor- sorting their own mail and you know everything goes in the circular file. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so we have to remember what it's like to be on the other side. And that's a big part of the book is creating that genuine conversation and dialogue. Dialogue meaning the difference between the two. Dialogue, dialogue is it's a back and forth. It's a conversation can be one way. It can be a broadcast conversation at times, but dialogue really requires that back and forth hearing from the other person and recognizing who that person is on the other end and, and what they need, what they're looking for from the conversation. How do we have that better conversation with someone else? Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think is the biggest challenge that you see in our online space of expert-based entrepreneurs and, and what would really help them out? Yeah. So I think that the challenge that I'm seeing is, and it's, it goes right back to that, what you described of, you know, this reaction of, I get these messages and I have no interest in them. It's this challenge to scale. Everything is, uh, we've been sold the bill of goods of, I'm going to create a business. That's like an ATM. It's going to work while I sleep. And so everything I do in my business has to be built to scale, built to grow big, but relationships are a little bit different because the minute we start treating in other individuals like a number on our spreadsheet, you know, we can reach out to a thousand people. 
and we might have done the math and we figured out that if I talked to a thousand people and you know, only uh, 200 of them respond to that message. And out of the 200, you know, we've done all done that funnel math that ends, you know, let's say three clients come out at the bottom of that funnel. What we don't factor into that math is the 997 people at the start who received that first message and said, this is probably someone I'll never do business with just because of that first impression. Mm -hmm. So I think the challenge is how to change that and how to create relationships in a systematic, predictable, and consistent way, but not scalable so that you lose that human to human connection that is really, I mean, business is done by one person doing business with another. Mm -hmm. um, there are other industries where there are consumers and customers and you might do a one to me. And I came out of that world. That was my, that was my background. I had to reinvent myself four or five years ago. I was a build your list, push the send button, send, you know, at one point, one of my clients, we, we sent two emails that produced a million and a half dollars in an, in the nonprofit space That's for them. Amazing. So that, that was my world, like the one to many kind of digital marketing, but I grew really frustrated because I saw that it wasn't working as consistently as it should, you know, two out of 10 people were opening emails and, you'd work really hard to send better emails and it might go up to three out of 10 people. And so I just about four or five years ago, went all in on this one-to-one -one, talk to people the way I would want to be approached and conversed with build real relationships and trust that good things are going to flow from that. And then I had to get more systematic about it myself. So how are you getting those results? Um, I think that one understanding, so that there, there are three big questions that come up when we do this process. And the book was really written from the workshops that I do. Kat Stancic, again, is my co-author. She was doing her own programs and workshops. We essentially do, when I first approached her about doing the book together, she said, you realize I'm kind of like a competitor, right? Like we're doing the same work here. Uh, but I think that uh, the book is better for having both our voices in it. And it, we brought, we didn't hold anything back from the book. And we, we tackle three big questions that come up. How do I find my right fit prospects? Like, where are they? Like I usually people, when they ask this question, it feels like such a big hurdle, such a big boulder that's been dropped in front of them that they can't even imagine how to get started because they're looking around and they don't, they don't see where their next client could be coming from. Mm -hmm. And so we show them a few strategies in the book, walk them through. And by the way, it's not just go search on sales navigator. You can do that and it works, but that's actually not my preferred strategies. There are much, much better ways of doing this, but the response we get from folks after they answer this question, they'll get on the other side and they'll look back over their shoulder and they're like, yeah, that wasn't really the problem. My, my real problem is, okay, I found my people. Like I have a handful of people that I would love to do business with. I don't know how to, like, how do I even start this? Because every time I reach out to people, I feel all weird about it and they run the other way, you know, just how do I start a conversation with someone I really want to do business with? And so same thing happens. We walk through a couple strategies that have worked really well. It's not a script. Just note that if you guys are hearing this, if someone's trying to sell you on it, this is the script that's going to make you a million dollars. Scripts don't work because by the time 
someone receives that message, you can feel it, right? We all know when we're getting marketing from someone else and no one responds well, but if you can personalize it, this is, this is an example of what I mean by this. If you can send a message and the person on the other end, the receiving end, 100% knows that that message was meant for them and for them alone, no one else will, would receive the exact same message. That's one of the ways you can make a positive first impression on people. You can personalize, not just first name, but you, know, you can talk, for example, Lori, with you, I would talk, we started the podcast this way. I said, social currency is a brilliant way to talk, to have this conversation, to talk about what you're doing, because it captures so much the social aspect. Everyone's talking social media, but it, it is a currency. Our attention, there's a whole economy around giving and receiving of attention right now. And you nailed it with that name. So that would be how I would reach out to you to make sure that this is a conversation about you and something you care about and not just, uh, you know, a copy and paste that everybody else got. That's uh, so important. And it's obvious when it's being, it's a copy and paste um, or if it's automated, if, you know, especially on LinkedIn, if someone has special characters or, you know, an obscure longer name, then the automation hasn't perfected that by any means. And yeah, I, and I do that in my name. I use all caps in my name and I use spaces in my last name. And People ask why I have that weird, I'm, I'm just breaking the automation so I know how people are interacting with me <laughs> sure. and doing it intentionally. Yeah. yeah, totally makes sense. I've actually thought about doing that myself and I just haven't pulled the trigger on that. <laughs> um, I love that. I love the philosophy of really making sure you're having a genuine conversation as opposed to here's the canned message that you know I'm crossing my fingers is going to get your attention. It definitely makes more sense. The third, the third question that we didn't really, uh, I kind of held back. I was hoping someone was out there thinking, oh, that's two out of three. What's the, what's the third one? I really <laughs> want to. So the, the third thing that always comes up and it's always in this order. How do I find my people? What do I say to them to start, to spark mm -hmm. a conversation? The third question is always in the same thing. They're looking over the shoulder saying, yeah, those two other things, that wasn't really my, like the, the real challenge is in front of me right now. How do we take that conversation and turn it into a sales conversation? How do we take that friendly chat, right? And my, and Kat, my co-author says, how do you go from talking about the weather to talking about whether we should be doing business together or not? And so there, there's an art to it. There's, there's a, how do you converse, have a really good conversation with someone and figure out there may be business here and do it in an elegant way that everyone feels great about. They feel invited into it. Um, and that really is, by the way, if folks are trying to figure out what I'm sort of dancing around here, it's really about getting permission, getting people, giving them the opportunity to raise their hand and say, yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. And so the book walks through a bunch of examples that have worked really well for me, for the clients that we've worked with in workshops. Um, it's not one phrase that wins at all. It's more the context of when you deliver this and that you let them feel like they have control of the conversation that then you get permission and you can uh, enter into that the more specifics of what it might look like if you do business together. I, I, that's so smart and true. I mean, there's, that's a major challenge that I'm sure a ton of people have is, okay, I've established a relationship. We have rapport. Now what? <laughs> and, and it, it is a, an elegant strategic approach, I think, to not tarnish that relationship, but actually, um, like you said, elegantly move it into a sales conversation. 
I think, and I've never said this before, I just, the thought occurred to me as we were chatting here that the responsibility really is on us to create something that's worth talking about, first of all, and second of all, uh, to something that's worth inviting them to. So if we were going out with friends and I reached out and said, hey, Lori, you know, a group of us are going out to the movies on Friday night. And then after the movies, we're going to go do this and down by the river or whatever. You should come along. We're going to have a great time together. That in the right context could be like a fun invitation. Like, yeah, let's go out and have a group of us. We're going to have fun together. We've created an opportunity for that to happen. Um, And we have to do the same thing in a business sense because it's not... It can't be just, hi, nice to meet you. This is who I am. This is what I do. Uh, You get your information out there, but that's not really who we do business with. Like, Mm -hmm. I think you and I have all been in those networking where where people sort of go through the motions and they get their information in front of new people, but you can just feel it. There's no, there's no there, there, (laughs) right? Whereas in other, in other times people are like, uh, Lori, that thing, that thing you just said, tell me more about that. That, mm-hmm. that is really interesting to me. That's the effect or the impact that we're looking for. Which I imagine has been a little bit more difficult these past year and a half or so, but as things begin to start getting back to normalcy, um, it is easier to create opportunities to invite people to attend something where you can kind of start having those types of conversations a little bit deeper. So I would make the case that this past year and a half, uh, in many ways, um, so remember in the introduction, you saw those weird words that I called myself and, uh, or had been called, I should say by others. And I adopted it introverted savant. And what that Uh really means is I have a really hard time in real life situations. I'm just not great socially. I've never have been, I'm getting a little better, uh, in my, as I get older, I've kind of but I'm introverted. It's hard. It takes a lot of energy for me to do that. I think this last year or so, and I was doing this before the pandemic too, a lot of virtual meetings, it's in, in, in messaging through inbox on LinkedIn, through messenger on Facebook, through email. I think it's the perfect environment for an introvert because it's asynchronous communication, meaning I can send out a message to you Um, I can think about what I really want to say to you. I can look at your profile, do a little bit of research so I can be thoughtful about it. You're going to respond. And when I see your message back, I don't have to immediate. It's not like a live conversation where I'm on the spot and I have to, like, I can think about it. That works really well for introverts to have that asynchronous time to sort of, for me, it gave me that a little bit of extra time to think about and put myself in the shoes of the other person. Mm-hmm. So I actually think I've gotten a lot better for this, this last period of time. And it's only, by the way, it's only going to get stronger. Yes. The real world is coming back. People are starting to go to concerts and restaurants and that's great. And mm-hmm. uh, it's this last year or so has been really hard on folks, but online, the online environment is only going to get stronger in the, we, we accelerated probably 10 years in the last year of what, 100%. what is uh, coming for future tech and the way business is going to be done. Sure. Absolutely. agree with that. Um, just, I'm sure we can keep talking about this for quite some time here. Um, but this would be a great time to pause for a quick message of our sponsor before we get into the nitty gritty of networking. Sounds good. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. 
Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. So Tobin, when people hear that word networking, sometimes it evokes, it invokes fear, hesitation, uncertainty. My goal is to really alleviate some of that fears. If, if you could help me do that by sharing with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences. Um, so I, I have been that guy too. Um, like the idea of going to the chamber of commerce meeting and, and having to sort of network that way, um, is really hard for me, honestly, I'm, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I've done it I've, as a business owner. I've forced myself to do that, but I, I do, I kind of makes me tense up a little bit, even thinking about being in that environment. Let me share with you what has really helped me. And I think I've cultivated, nurtured this, uh, in the online environment, but it really, I'm now finding it works every bit as well in real life. And that is, I can have conversations with people. I can genuinely look for the awesome in that. So what is cool about this other person? What are they doing? It, it doesn't have to be that we went to the same high school or college, or you know, we have some shared, everyone's trying to find that rapport. It's really just as a human being, what are they doing that is really cool that, that I can find to compliment them? That's one of the first things that I'm going to do, a genuine compliment. They can feel it when it's not genuine. The reason I start there is I think we all feel it feels really good to be validated by others, to be recognized and seen for the hard work that we're doing. So if, if we can start a conversation there, I found it, it kind of takes off much more easily for both sides. We just all feel good about it. The second thing is I can put my agenda, which is, you know, we started this conversation with Laura, you said, you've got to do business. You have to pay your bills. I have to do the same thing. Like we all have business that we have to do, but I can put that agenda on the back burner for a while. And that for me means hearing what's going on in, in the other person's world. I might ask them a question like, so if I did run into someone who was a perfect uh, prospect for you, like that right fit, exactly right fit. They're right for you and not for somebody else. How would I, what would they say? Like, how would I recognize them? Uh, a question like that creates an opportunity to have a little bit deeper conversation. And maybe I actually can make a connection. Like if there's business to be had, that can wait a little bit too, because we do business with people that we like, we know, like, and trust and, and, you know, the, there's a reciprocity and all that in place. But if I can really understand who the other person is that I, on the other side of the dialogue, I potentially could help them maybe just by like, that's agenda number one for me. I'm probably uh, going to make an introduction to someone else in my network that I know that will appreciate them, maybe needs what they have. Maybe I'll hear them say that they're stuck with something they need to, I don't know, SEO their website or something, some, some technical thing that they don't, fully know or understand yet, but there's someone I know that could be really helpful for them. So drawing those dots, uh, connecting those dots between people can become the reason for having that conversation. And then only then if someone says something that, uh, you know, I might say, Hey, Lori, when you mentioned, um, when you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, this thing, you were telling me that story, it kind of dovetails into something I'm working with. 
and you're not, that's not permission for me to launch in and say my whole story about what I'm working with. It's, I can at that point say something that gives you an opportunity to say, well, that's kind of interesting. Tell me more about that. And if I don't earn that, then I don't deserve to have that conversation. Oh, I agree hundred percent. I think it's great to not just, what's the right word here? I guess pour you all of your information in front of someone you need to be invited in to share that piece of information with someone and giving them a little teaser is a really good way to do that. Um, how do you stay in front of and best nurture your network? I know you've got quite an extensive network. Yeah. So this, I think this is one of the big challenges, um, in this space, which is, um, as you're re, as you're as you're starting to network with more people, how do you do it in a, an intelligent way so that they are real relationships and it's not you touched a person one time maybe you connected had a great conversation and you never see them again that that really doesn't serve either side. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the tools that I found really really helpful actually is a uh, it's a it's a call a light CRM. So the the website is getdex.dex.com. And this has become my favorite tool, like the one piece of software that I would most hate to give up because Dex, Dex is a Rolodex, essentially. It doesn't, it will not replace your CRM. So if anyone out there is saying, yeah, I got this covered, I've got HubSpot, I've got, you know, whatever your CRM of choice, that's not what Dex is. It's a one trick pony. It does one thing and one thing only, and it does it really, really well. And that is it tells you who to connect with or who to talk to and when, like the follow-up part of it. So Dex is sort of the list as I'm, you know, as you and I chat, I'll make a few notes in the record of the timeline of our conversation. And then I, all my folks that I want to stay in touch with are on timers. They're in buckets. So, you know, for this group of people, I want to make sure that I check in and see what's going on in their world, look at their content, make sure I'm commenting and staying relevant and up to date with them, at least on a monthly basis. For other people, it might be a couple times a year. So every six months or so, maybe they're college friends or whatever. So I don't want to lose touch, but I, it's not a business relationship that I need to stay top of mind with either. So I'm just using this tool. Uh, again, I, I, I'm not sure. I really struggled because I was doing this on paper before and it just wasn't working. But this tool allows me, it plugs into LinkedIn, it plugs into email and Facebook so I can make my notes right there as I'm conversing with people. So it's, it's been a great addition. Wow, I was looking for something like that probably about 10 years ago. <laughs> and, and you know, there's so many different CRMs out there, but it's not a CRM you're saying. It kind of, does it ping you with a, like on your calendar or you get an email that says it's time to touch base with this individual? Yeah. So, um, what I, when I log into Dex, it's got a list there. These are the okay. people that are that, you know, basically it's time to reach out to these folks. And so as you're filling in information, uh, you know, if you and I converse and I put the notes in, it resets the clock on that. So it's recognizing that, you know, we want to talk, you know, every six weeks or whatever the case may be, we want to stay in touch with each other, but it, it recognizes there was a meeting on the calendar or there was a message sent through LinkedIn or an email or exchange, oh, whatever. That's and cool. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it will not send your email newsletter. It will not do transactions and, you know, uh, all the things that CRMs are known to do. Mm -hmm. It won't do any of that. 
and it, and it shouldn't try to do any of that, but it's really effective for this one thing. And, uh, and honestly, I've tried dozens of CRMs trying to do the same thing, which is just track my outreach, my conversational outreach. Mm -hmm. yep. And it becomes such a pain in the butt that I get mad and then I give up on it. And this one, I, this one's actually fun to use. I'm, I'm going to check it out. I've never heard of it before. So thanks for that little nugget. <laughs> yeah, if, if folks are, if folks are interested in this, we, uh, what is the date? Like in the next two weeks, I don't, I don't have the specific date, but in the next two weeks, we're actually going to do a mini workshop because what I found when I set up decks myself, the, 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 I set it up the first time, uh, wrong, not because I knew I was wrong. I was setting it up the way a marketer would think, you sure. know, like, uh, uh, cold contacts, warm, warm contacts, you know, hot contacts, like, like how you think about mar structuring a marketing sure. funnel. Yep. It did not work for me that way. And it wasn't the tool. I was using the tool the wrong way. Right. I was like trying to, uh, you know, use a hammer to screw in, <laughs> screw something into the wall. Right. It just wasn't meant to be used that way, but I learned that I could structure, structure it a little bit differently. So we're going to do a workshop. If folks are interested in that, just have them you guys can reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn. I actually do what I said, which is I converse with people. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and once you get the con confirmed date, we'll definitely include that in the show notes with some um, information with uh, how to, how to connect with you on that. So let's move on to my, my next question for you is what advice would you offer business professionals who are looking to grow their network? Um, I think I'm going to go back and reuse one that I've already shared, but I'm going to emphasize it because I think it's that important. And that is to find the awesome in other people first. As entrepreneurs, we are very sensitive to taking care of our people. So if you have a newsletter, if you have a YouTube channel, your network on LinkedIn, wherever your people are, that you're, that you're actively uh, growing your audience and nurturing those relationships, when someone shows up and engages with you, we are very in tune with taking care of those people. We'll converse with them. It's a great way to get to know folks. Um, and so when you show up and you find the awesome in someone else, it, it's, a, it's, it's a natural interface to really connect with them. So for example, a podcaster like you, Lori, the reviews, the ratings and reviews on podcasts. I mean, that is the currency of podcasting, right? 100%. So if someone wants to connect with you, the smartest thing they could do is go leave you a five-star review, right? Because oh, now yeah. you're like, it's a great way. And then what I would do is I'd take a screenshot of it because iTunes is kind of funky sometimes. Like mm -hmm. you'll submit those things and they don't always, you know, save. I don't know why they don't, but it's just, Sometimes they don't always make it to the, to the list, right? Yep. But I would screenshot it and I'd shoot you an email and say, Lori, I'm really enjoying the podcast. Uh, I just left you a review. This is what I said. But now you and I are going to have a completely different conversation um, because of the context of how we first connected. So this is, this is the approach that I prefer. The alternative, what we've been all been told for years is show up and bring value, like give value to people. And the yep. problem with that is, most of us, when we try to give value, I did this years ago. There was a lawyer in, I was living in Maine at the time. There was a lawyer who had paid big money to have the back of the yellow pages, the phone book, right? This was mm -hmm. back when the yellow pages were the thing. So he, <laughs> yep. he had paid a huge amount of money to have the whole back cover of the yellow pages. And I looked at his um, website and his local listings online, and I could see he had a lot of holes in his online 
marketing, even though he was spending a lot of money in the yellow pages. So I reached out to him thinking that I was doing him a favor, uh, sharing all these mistakes that he made. You know, I thought I was giving him value. He probably thought I was the biggest ass in the world. Who's this guy who just showed up telling me all the things that I screwed up and did wrong? So I learned by that mistake that that's, even though I thought I was giving value, that's a terrible way to do it, to deliver it. So show up, find the awesome first. Delivering a value can come later. That's, there's still a lot of substance in that, but it's not the best way to show up on someone's doorstep. Yeah, I love, I like that philosophy of find the awesome first. I think that's a, a fantastic approach to just make someone feel really good about themselves by, you know, wooing them a bit. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I agree with the value. I'm, I'm a huge advocate of giving value. I mean, everything that I'm publishing online and speaking, I, I'm number one advocate for, you know, giving first really. Um, but you do need to make sure you're finding something that's going to be a value to that individual, not what you believe is the value that you're providing that that's the challenge. Yeah. And people will tell you what, you know, uh, what they care about and what's relevant to them. And, and you hit the nail on the head. We have to walk in their shoes a little bit. It's not what we think it is. It's what they actually, uh, know and care about. And, um, yeah, I've just found this to, to really, it's really changed the context of how I'm connecting with folks and it's a lot more fun and it's a great life skill. Your, your family and friends will thank you for it as well. Cause totally. honestly, I think we all want, we all crave that to be seen. And like, we're all out there fighting the good fight, doing the work. And we feel like, you know what, we deserve someone to see us as awesome every once in a while. So it's pretty cool. when they show up. Most definitely. So if you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? Oh, that's a, that's a, uh, it's an interesting question because I think my, my answer on what I'm doing today is different from what I, if I could go back and talk to my 20 year old self, uh, I really would have focused on the list building. Hmm. Yep. Um, and the reason why is, you know, uh, so I just turned 50. So this, we're, we're talking about a 30 year period of time where the ability to build, uh, uh, an audience of people that had a core, uh, interest in common, what I didn't, and most people honestly didn't understand, you know, back then was, um, you can, if you build a big enough group of people, you can monetize in really interesting ways. So, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, May the 4th, but you may the 4th be with you Star yep, Wars day. Yep. I'm, I'm a little bit of a nerd, right? So when I was 20 years old, if someone said you can create a newsletter that is all about the nerdy Star Wars stuff that you're interested in, I think I wouldn't have believed that how, how does that become a business? Yep. But if you look at our world today, uh, it's amazing how all these passionate communities have been built around uh, a topic or a niche that people really care about a lot. And once the group, once, once you've gathered the crowd, there's multi, you, you can have sponsors, you can have, you can direct sell things that that group asks for. Basically they'll tell you, I wish we had t-shirts or whatever. There's so many different ways to monetize it in a way that people will love you for. Uh, I would love to have, I'd love to counsel my younger self on that. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant piece of information to share. Honestly, I, I have a similar that I would do the same thing. I, I wish I would have built that a little bit sooner. Um, okay, here's a, uh, an opportunity for you to interview me, Tobin. What is something you'd like to ask me? So 
you hear from all these really interesting guests, Lori, when you, when you think about the context of not one interview, but maybe by season or so a collection of interviews, what is the red thread of commonality that you see between your guests that, that what, what do you take away from that? Because you, you hear what's on, what the actual interview is when it goes to podcast, but here before the, before you hit record, after you hit record, you get the big picture of everything. What's that? What's the red thread in that? Yeah, I've, I've identified basically three common themes um, amongst all of my, my guests. And it's basically one is to give first, which we, we kind of addressed a little bit and to not, not so much, don't focus on us, but really focus on the person that we're, we're connecting with. Um, the second is to be genuine and authentic because people can, can smell fake. You know, if you, if you're not who you genuinely are in front of someone, you're going to, it's going to end up in a negative spot one place at one point or another. And the third thing is to follow through. If you promise something, you know, to make an introduction or to help someone, you know, here's a, a tool that I use. I'm going to send you the link to it. You know, as simple as it is, if you don't follow through on whatever that promise is, you're going to devalue any potential future relationship with that individual. Yeah. I, th- I think that's brilliant. So what I took away from what you just said is that when you do this right, and you've heard this from multiple experts out there, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, this is how we treat our friends. And, and one of my partners at Book of Experts calls her, the way she references networking is, this is like friend hunting. And I yeah. think if we approach it from that, from that perspective, uh, we'll be in the right place. Totally. I love it. So do you have any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? No, I just, uh, I appreciate you, Lori, what, you, what you're doing to get the information out. And I think anyone that hears this, uh, if you're interested in connecting, uh, let's have a real conversation. And I'm happy, you know, uh, Tobin Slavin, and it's the same name on, on pretty much every social, uh, you know, I prefer LinkedIn, Facebook, I guess, uh, email, you can reach my websites, tobinslavin.com. But uh, where you find me, I, I manage and pay attention to those inboxes. So if you reach out, I will be answering you. Fantastic. And we will include all of your contact details in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. No, this is great. I appreciate you, Lori. Absolutely. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. Huge thank you to Tobin for taking the time to connect with us. Like I said, if you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, I would love to connect as I I, I definitely enjoy hearing from my listeners. If not, we'll just see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.